welcome to this edition of Labor Vision. I'm Bob Delaney, Executive Director of the Institute for Labor Studies and Research. Labor Vision, a production of the Institute, focuses on topics of importance to working Rhode Islanders. We hope you enjoy this edition. everyone, welcome to Labor Vision, the at-home edition. As many of you know, there have been many changes and everyone has had to make uh, many updates to their daily schedules due to the COVID-19 crisis that we are currently in, one of which is with Labor Vision, we are now working from an at-home studio. So joining me today on Labor Vision is a Secretary Treasurer of the Rhode Island AFL-CIO, Patrick Crowley. Thank you so much for coming back on the show, Pat. Problem, America. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. Thanks to everyone at the Labor Vision team for really going above and beyond. This is important work that you're doing. Absolutely. I'm glad we're able to make it happen through Zoom. This is really, this is great. Yeah. And so I wanted to start off. I know that there's a lot of changes that labor has had to make, and there's a lot of um, a lot of people are in crisis right now. Uh, so can you just give us an update on the on what labor is doing in Rhode Island specifically around the crisis? Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, I guess the first thing to say is that, you know, one, I hope everyone is doing what they need to do to stay safe and practice social distancing so that we can help flatten the curve and, you know, keep this crisis to as short a time period as possible. Um, the second thing I think is important to state just from the beginning is, you know, kudos to Governor Raimondo and her entire staff and leadership team. They're going above and beyond, uh, one, to keep the people of Rhode Island safe, but also doing a great job keeping us informed about the updates, um, what's going on. Dr. Alexander Scott has been a model of a public servant over the last couple of weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. Trying times for sure. Uh, as it relates to the labor movement, I mean, I, it also is important to say right from the get-go that it, it is for the most part, union members are on the front lines of dealing with this crisis in Rhode Island. Uh, whether it's the professional staff and the workers at the Rhode Island Department of Health, who are members of NEA and AFSCME and NAGE, uh, or if it's the food service workers uh, that are members of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Local 328, that are at Stop and Shop, um, to the, the folks that are in SCIU and UNAP and the Teamsters at Rhode Island Hospital. And the, the list just goes on and on. And, you know, the firefighters, the police officers, the correctional officers, all of the union members across the state that are doing what they need to do to keep us safe. Right. Hats off to them and they have the, you know, the entire thanks of the entire that our members and affiliate unions could use. Um, so folks can log on to the Rhode Island AFL-CIO uh, website, which is rhodeislandafl-cio.org uh, for a, a daily updated list of resources related to COVID-19, both for you know, union members and non-union members, for workers, for employers, um, whatever folks need. There's a lot of information there from the Department of Labor and Training, from the mm -hmm. Department of Health, uh, and then from some of our national unions. So to help keep yourselves and your members uh, as fully informed as possible. Um, the next thing that we've been doing, President Nee has been, you know, 
in constant communication with the various unions that we represent and various political leaders and business leaders to see what we can do. Uh, he's been in, um, leading the way with the United Way of Rhode Island who have done a phenomenal job trying to keep our, our members informed and healthy and safe and uh, working with the, the general public to, you know, for what, all of the good work that the United Way does. Right. So thank you to them. Um, we've also been holding uh, conference calls with all of our member unions every other day for the last two weeks. Um, it's been a place where members can, you know, share what they've heard, ask for help, get information about what's going on. We've had um, various government officials on these calls helping share information from the state and from the federal level, um, getting us updates on bills and legislation. So um, it's been an in incredibly trying time and busy time, but it's been great to see the, the, the labor movement in Rhode Island pull together um, in even stronger ways than, than we already had before. I've been on a few of those labor conference calls and they've been so informative and so helpful with staying in the loop of what's being done, the resources that people have access to. Can you tell me who has access to those conference calls or how can individuals get access to the resources that come out of those conference calls? Sure. So the resources that come out of the calls will be shared on the AFL-CIO website and on our social media channels on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, so folks can, can uh, tune into those social channels to keep an eye on them. Um, the, the, the calls are designed for uh, the local labor leaders in the state. Uh, so folks that are rank and file members or people that are interested um, in the information, they should contact either the AFL-CIO or they can contact their local union leaders to find out, you know, either how they can listen in or what, you know, what information might be updated on a regular basis. And that goes for non-union workers as well. We want to make sure that, you know, the non-union workers out there know that the labor movement has their back. They might mm -hmm. not be dues paying members today. We want them to be dues paying members in the future. But right now, the important thing is to make sure that they're safe, their families are safe. And if they have to go to work, that they have as much information as possible. So as working people, we can, you know, stick together in solidarity, union or not. Right. And do you want to talk a little bit about, I know that you mentioned them quickly, some of the industries that are still working right now. Do you want to talk about some of them? I know that um, UFCW members are working um, long hours at Stop and Shop, Shaw's, um, as well as uh, our Teamsters brothers and sisters at Rhode Island Hospital, as well as the delivery folks. Um, you wanna talk about those a little bit further, some of those challenges that they're facing or changes that they've had to make to their daily work schedules? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we can talk about the education workers in, in a minute, but you yeah. know, just it, it's been an amazing show of solidarity in the, in the labor movement. So some of our firefighter locals, you know, have been, you know, really worked to the limit when it comes to dealing with the crisis. Um, and they've been undersupplied, you know, as we've been seeing from the federal government with personal protective equipment, respirators, ventilators, all of that. And it, it was great to see the Rhode Island Building Trades Council step up and, you know, through the leadership of Mike Sabatoni, you know, go out of their way to see what they could do, you know, from see if they could get supplies that would protect first responders mm -hmm from, you know, construction site stuff. So that's been, it's been great to see. 
But yeah, I mean, there, there are building trades people that are still going to the workplace. Um, there are healthcare workers, whether they're SEIU members or uh, United Nurse and Allied professionals that are on the front lines. There are um, the correctional officers are still in a 24 hour, you know, seven day a week operation. And, you know, it's important to make sure that they stay safe and protected as well. Um, from the police officers that are working on the streets um, to, um, you know, the Teamsters that are doing the deliveries, uh, the, the Teamsters represent Bradford Soap, which the company was uh, willing to volu uh, voluntarily donate, I want to say 70,000 yeah. pieces of soap to the state of Rhode Island. And the Teamsters made sure that the delivery got to the right place, you know, mm -hmm. without charge, you know, so it's great to see people coming together um, across the state. And, and when it comes to education, Oh my goodness, the, the, the teachers and the education support professionals in this state right now are going so far above and beyond the call of duty. Absolutely. Uh, you know, because of you know, my other hat that I wear with the NEA of Rhode Island, we've been in constant contact with our local leaders, with our partners at the Federation of Teachers and Health Professionals. Um, and really the idea of doing distance learning from scratch with very little you know, training, but you know, the members have gone so far above and beyond to make this work. Uh, and this, they're working 12, 16, 18 hours a day. Uh, and while at the same time dealing with their own children who are right. at home and trying to do distance learning themselves. I mean, it's been, it's been remarkable. I, I mean, I'm sure folks are going on Facebook and Twitter and all of the social channels and seeing the, um, the, the praise from parents now who are, you know, maybe understand what the right. life of a teacher really is. Um, and they're only beginning to just see the, 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 the surface of it. So it's been, it's been phenomenal uh, to, to see everyone pull together as hard as it's been. Something incredible I saw on Facebook, there was individuals who had worked in uh, different studios that I think that at this studio, she does um, things like hair and makeup and um, eye, uh, eyelash extensions for individuals. And so she constantly uses masks and gloves. And because her studio is now closed, they had so many extra masks and gloves that would just be sitting there. So I know that they had donated a ton of them to locations that would need them or had a shortage of them. Um, so things like that are ways that I, you don't even think of until you see or actually think about what people are experiencing in the crisis that other industries are in and how your industry could be helping. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, my heart goes out to all these small business owners, you know, who don't make a lot of money for the most part and now they're shut down. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm hoping that the economy will recover enough for them, but um, right. as, we, as we think about all the things for working people, you know, that small business owner who's also, she's working 18 hours a day on her own. They may be yeah. a business owner, but, you know, they're, they're a working class person like, like the rest of us and we mm -hmm. all need to pull together. So yeah. I know uh, my family tonight's ordering, you know, takeout food for Friday night dinner from our, our local pizza place uh, yeah. to, just to make sure that we're helping, you know, do our part. And I would encourage as many people to do the same. Absolutely. Buy, buy your gift cards to the places that you know you'll use them, the uh, local stores or local businesses that you'll use in the future. I know that they're selling merchandise online, many places. So doing what you can if you're able to, right, yeah. is important. Yeah, can you so talk? I know that we, we talked about some of the industries that are working right now. 
What about some of the industries that have been really um, thrown off by this as well in ways that they're not able to work right now? Uh, can you talk about some oh, of them? Uh, you have the, the food service industry, the hotel industry. You know, those are all working class jobs that right now people are out of work. Um, the entertainment industry, folks don't often think about this, but, you know, the stagehands, the, the members of IATSE, uh, the performers who are members of Actors Equity or the American Federation of Musicians, uh, mm -hmm. all of the you know highly skilled work that goes into entertainment production, you know, it, it's uh, all the people that are working at, at stadiums. So the people that work at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, the people that work at the convention center, you know, and those are just a couple of Rhode Island examples. You know, right. it, it's it, it's been. It's, it's important to know how many of these jobs are impacted in this precarious time. And Absolutely. we need to make sure that going forward, when we start thinking of the new normal, we think about how important all of these jobs are. Uh, it, it seems to me that there's starting to be some recognition in the broader public about, you know, it isn't the CEOs that keep us running in this economy. It is the working people and not just the working people in general. It is the people at what, you know, too many of our fellow citizens in this country look at the lower level jobs, yeah. the people that are clerks, the people that are sweeping floors, mm -hmm. the people that yeah. may be in garbage cans. You know, yeah. these people are the only people that are really making sure that our economy sticks together. Mm -hmm. And we need to, when we come out of this, we really need to make sure that we re-engineer our economy, not from the top down. And I don't really care if Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates has $40 billion or $60 billion or $10 billion. What I do care about is that person who's driving a bus is safe. That person turning a screwdriver or that person pushing a broom is making a living wage. And we need to make sure that that's how we think of our right. economy in the new normal to get through this. Exactly, as the nuts and bolts of our economy, right? That, so I'm thinking specifically of the individuals working in the factories who are creating the, putting together the masks and yeah. manufacturing those th things that are very critical right now. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, would you, did you, you have anything else to add that you'd like to talk about before uh, we close? Uh, just that, you know, if folks, uh, uh, want more information or you know need need someone to talk to or need you know a helping hand they can reach out to me through the rhode island afl cio or uh, or through the nea rhode island webpage and get my contact information um and always you can you know hit me on twitter at at pat crowley 401 um to if you want to direct message me and i can see what i can do to help or you know even if it's just have a, a friendly ear to to listen to Thank you, Pat. I want to commend both you um, as Secretary Treasurer of the Ryan AFL-CIO, as well as President Georgeny for all of the work that you guys are doing. Um, it couldn't be at a, a more difficult time right now. And so I think that the work that you guys are doing right now is incredible. So thank you. Thank you, Erica. And th just to, you know, finally out there, everyone stay safe, take care of yourself, your families, um, and we'll get through this and we'll be stronger for it. So solidarity. Thank you. And thank you, everybody who's tuning in from home. Uh, for those of you who have not noticed yet, Labor Vision is not on TV this week. The studio is down, but we will be on social media. We will be on YouTube. So make sure you keep tuning in each week for our new episode.
All right. Thank you so much. Vision, a production of the Rhode Island Institute for Labor Studies and Research. I'm Tom Kaw from the Rhode Island AFL-CIO. Today with us we have State Senator Sandra Cano, and we'll be talking about the upcoming census. Hi Senator, uh, thanks for coming in today to talk about the census. Um, can you tell our viewers a little about the census, what it is, when do we do it, and why it's so important? Thank you so much, Tom. First, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about such an important issue like the census. Um, the census is officially the count of the population of our nation. Um, and it happens every 10 years. And it is important because it gets tied to many things such as resources, um, resources for the federal government, and also our representation in Congress. So depending on our population and how we count people, then uh, we have a designation of congressional seats to represent us at the national level. Um, and the funding is important because depending on how many people we have in a state such as Rhode Island, then um, that is dedicated funding that um, comes to support housing, health, um, SNAP programs for, for children. So there's many, many things that come into place when it comes to the census. So every 10 years it happens, and we will have our census in 2020, so it's a year from now, and um, it will be April 1st, 2020. Everybody should remember that day. Okay, and so, uh, next year, around this time, um, it'll be taking place. Uh, what's at stake um, in the 2020 census? Well, it is important that we recognize that we have to count everybody in order to retain a congressional seat um, in our state, but also $3.1 billion get allocated to Rhode Island Ooh. for a year, um, a 10, 10 year period. period. Okay. So it would be around $3 million per year, which is a lot of good resources that again, goes towards our family's support when it comes to a school, education, health. So there is a lot of things that are at stake if we don't count everybody in Rhode Island. All right, okay, so everybody, everybody needs to be counted is basically what needs to be done. Um, and what is different about the census that's upcoming next year? So the first time that we will have an online census will be next year. So um, the Census Bureau is trying to ask everybody to fill out the formulary online. So that is very different from years before. I think that it's important that everybody rec recognize that um, no, everybody in Rhode Island has access to online to be able to fill out that questionnaire. So we need to work together to make sure that the census gets filled out by everybody and that we could get resources available for people to be able to um, have online access to get to, to fill it out. Now, um, I understand also that if you, um, it's five attempts, 
five attempts that you get. Okay. So if you don't get by the third attempt, if you don't get a questionnaire fill out online, then they will send you a paper one. Okay. But the first thing that they're gonna do is they're gonna try for you to fill out a questionnaire online. All right, so nobody be knocking on your door. Well, um, they're trying to knock at your door, but that is just the last resource. Okay. And um, they're not putting a lot of money into people on um, the streets to do that, uh, like they did in years before, oh. um, because the resources were cut down from the federal level for the census. Mom. So we are doing the census in 2020 with the same resources we had in 2010. So if you think about it, that is the reason why they're doing the online. Better use of resources. Exactly. Okay. So and this year we also have the question of citizenship on the census. What's the deal with that? Well, that is um, an important question. I think that uh, due to the current environment in Washington, D.C., a lot of our residents in Rhode Island feel uncomfortable filling out that question. So right now, there is still a case in the, in the courts um, waiting to be resolved to see if that question will indeed be in the census for 2020. Let's put um, the, the um, scenario that it will be in the census. So what happens? I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm also a proud immigrant. Um, I could just leave that question blank and the federal government um, has to cut me in. Um, that doesn't mean that they could share, share your information because the census is confidential. Right. So I would suggest that even though there is a lot of fear in the community, and even though uh, people are scared of what would happen with that information of whether or not you are a citizen, we'll just leave that question blank and you still get counted. That is my suggestion and that is what I will do as a citizen of the United States. Right. So that, that, is a, that is a viable option. You can just leave that question blank. That, that is one, yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Um, uh, recently there was a rally at the State House um, last week, right? How did that go? It went very well. I think that what we're trying to do with the Rhode Island Complete Count Committee, which is a group that the governor um, put in effect in an executive order in December of 2018, um, and we started meeting in February, this group got together with many um, businesses, the, the labor community, the community-based organizations to bring awareness that a year from last week, it will be Census Day. So what we did was we had a rally. We also had a resolution both in the Senate and in the House um, to pass this resolution to make sure that every Rhode Islander know that it's officially Census Action Day, a year from April 1st. So it's awareness, education, and it was important to highlight what needs to happen from now until then. We need to have a strategy to outreach and to make sure that we count every Rhode Islander. We also need resources for that. So um, I'll, I'd like to give you a little detail of what we had so far. So the governor had appropriate in the budget $150,000 for census strategy. Um, the Rhode Island Complete Count Committee had identified that we need $1.2 million to make sure that we count every Rhode Islander, at least $1.2 million. 
Um, the Rhode Island Foundation graciously came in and already put aside $250,000 to this outreach, which we are very grateful with the efforts of the Rhode Island Foundation, um, which means that we are trying to advocate for $350,000 more from uh, our General Assembly, and that's what we tried to do. After the rally, we had a Senate Finance um, Committee hearing for the census. It went, it went very well. The senators were um, very diligent in asking questions of where this money is going to go and why do we need this money. And I think that it was very, um, not only informative, but uh, it was a, a good way of educating everybody that this is something that we cannot let behind. This should be a priority for all, and we should all work together towards that goal of content everybody, because currently we have 24% of our population in Rhode Island as hard-to-count communities. Oh. So that is important. That percentage is a little high, and then so we need to make sure that we get to all of those communities. All right. Well, you pretty much take it. You pretty much answered my next two questions. I that were basically, um, what is the state doing to get ready for the census, and is there money in the state budget for the census? So. So the process of the money in the state budget hasn't been. Um, finalized yet. Okay. We still have a lot of work to do. Okay. I think that we have a start with um, the 150,000 that the governor had put aside towards these strategy efforts. But we also need are very conscious that we need to raise um, the allocation of a state funding to 500,000. That's what we're asking. Mm -hmm. But we also need to raise the other 700,000 dollars, which. Out of that, 250 have been allocated from the Rhode Island Foundation. So we okay. still need private businesses, other foundations to come and help us get that money so we could get to that $1.2 million to make sure that we are reached to that hard to count communities. Uh, any other um, nonprofits or anybody else, any other interested parties come forward yet to say that they're interested in donating? Sure, in the Rhode Island Complete Count Committee, we have the United Way of Rhode Island, uh -huh. we have the Champlain Foundation, so we're all working together towards the same goal. It's a matter of getting to that number and making sure that we do the pledge and allocate that money to make sure we get to that $1.2 million. All right, you mentioned hard to count communities. What would you consider those to be? So um, that could be from the range of low-income communities, seniors, young people, um, immigrants, or um, the minority community. Mm -hmm. um, that is what we call hard-to-count communities. And believe it or not, uh, we do have very spread out hard communities around the state. Yes. It's not located in one city. Um, we do have it all across our state, and we want to make sure we get to them. Um, remember, seniors don't have access to the internet. They know, <laughs> and, and they don't, and they don't trust so many of the people nowadays. My mom. <laughs> so it is important that we take the responsibility of helping, working maybe with the housing authorities to make sure that they do know that this information is safe and help them through the process. We need resources for that, and that is why it's so critical. Now, it was also mentioned to me that uh, college kids around, especially around URI, around campuses like um, Roger Williams and Bryant, right. um, are areas that those, those kids can be counted because they're residents nine months a year, they use our resources, 
And those are areas that we should that we should concentrate on as well. Absolutely. That's why we do have a lot of our education um, institutions on the table as the hard count, as the complete count committee meets every month. Uh -huh. We make sure that the message is there and everybody gets the same message and then the next step of this is the strategy to make sure that we get to the students to make sure that we have people going on campus doing workshops doing whatever it takes to make sure that everybody fills out that census questionnaire fantastic um, what can our union members do to help with the census taking? I think that it's a very important question. I believe that awareness is the most important thing. Not a lot of people realize that census is coming in 2020, mm -hmm. and if you take the time to tell your family members, your friends, and then we, we do that as we continue to bring the awareness and the education, it's gonna be easier for people to realize that that is important. It is also very crucial to know that this is the first time in two decades that we have a census during a presidential election. Uh -huh. So that is also important. Why? Because civic engagement could be a way of getting people to be aware that the census is at the same time that our presidential election is coming. Mm -hmm. So we need to tie the message somehow. Um, the other important issue that I believe for most of the people um, just bring the awareness factor is that since it, this could be the first time since 1789, 1789, that we could lose a congressional seat. Yes. The first time since 1789. So that is important for all Rhode Islanders to know. We don't want to have less representation in Washington for our state. No. If anything, we want to retain and keep our seat. And I do know that it's important that we all work together to get that done. So I think it's important that we, we continue the awareness and education, Tom. Thank you for coming in today. This has been extremely informative and we will get this out to our members. And uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you for watching Labor Vision. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Labor Vision. We appreciate your input and encourage your comments. Labor Vision can be seen on this channel three times each week, Tuesday at 7 p.m., Thursday at 8 p.m., and Saturday at 5 p.m.